Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right, welcome back to another edition of Hardcore Orange. I'm Adam Malnati, and as always, sitting here with Ian St. Clair. Ian, how are we doing today? Very well, Adam. How about you? I'm great. I'm great. We got the the Broncos uh, off season is in full swing, OTAs and mini camps and all that good stuff. But I'm curious a little bit about you've been watching the the NFL Network's Top 100. Uh, I don't watch it, so give me your biggest complaint about this show that the NFL Network's decided to do. Well, the biggest takeaway from it is they the players somehow didn't put Chris Harris anywhere on the list, which is mind-boggling to me. But as I put out a tweet after the show was over, let's hope the rest of the league continues to look past Chris Harris and not view him as a top-five player in the league because the because Broncos country and the Broncos know the truth. So that that's my biggest takeaway is I don't have any idea how Chris Harris is in the top five on this list. Yeah, I, th- I think that that gets to the point that I sort of have been making, and we've talked about this before as well. I don't really watch the NFL Network's top 100 because I, I don't understand the logic behind it. I, I mean, I, I guess it's player-driven, which is fine, but, uh, you know, if, if maybe, maybe what it does is it shows us who is the most overlooked players by actual NFL players because – how Chris Harris isn't on the list is is mind-boggling. I would say, and and we just talked about this. Best, at least let's 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 go ahead and extrapolate it out. I'm going to say something, and then you tell me what you think. Best cornerback in the AFC West. Let's just go there. No doubt. No doubt. Okay. Best cornerback in the AFC. The only one who could come close is Darrell Rivas. Okay. Not a Joe Hayden. Are we dismissing Joe Hayden? Uh, you have to give Joe Hayden his credit, but he's not uh, on the level of Darrell Rivas or Chris Harris. Okay, so he's he would be third on your list then, maybe. Would that be a fair thing to say about Joe Hayden? Yeah, I think he'd be there with like Brent Grimes in Miami. I think right. that'd be a good spot. So you got, you got your top tier, and then they're, they're kind of you sort of filter them down. All right, so uh, let's just go National Football League then, since we're we're extrapolating out. Chris Harris, best cornerback in the National Football League. I think the last two years, and go back to last year, <clears throat> I think he is the best cornerback in football. He hasn't given up a touchdown since 2013. Okay. Well, I think that that, uh, that is something that he and I have in common then. So that's good. I like, to, I like to say that I have something in common with Chris Harris. Neither one of us have given up a touchdown since 2013. So that's great. What about a Richard Sherman, though? You know you're going to get – people are going to complain and argue and say, oh, Richard Sherman, Richard Sherman – are we dismissing him as a as one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL? Uh, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't dismiss him from the top from the top cornerbacks in the league. Obviously, over the body of his work, he's he's performed ex, ex, extremely well. I, I think you also have to tie in 
the other three members of that secondary he plays sure. with, especially the two safeties. And then you take into account that defensive line and the pass rush that they get on the quarterback. Um, but you still have to give him credit. He still has to go out there and do what he does, and he does it extremely well. Uh, Patrick Peterson, yeah, I think, in name. Arizona is definitely on that list. And then one guy we mentioned, we haven't mentioned from the AFC, uh, I believe Vontae Davis in Indianapolis. Sure. that's a, uh, Yeah, He's, I guess we never, I, didn't, I didn't think about Vontae Davis. Sorry. Sorry, Vontae, if you're listening. Um, Antonio Cromartie, now back with the Jets, coming back when he was with Arizona. Right. Yeah, I mean, the Jets may have the best secondary in football now with at least cornerbacks with Revis and Cromartie back together. Yeah, that's a, but, it's formidable. Uh, I, I, to me, I with the season that that Chris Harris had last year, and let's not forget he tore his ACL in that in that Chargers playoff game, so he didn't play at all in, in two thousand. Well, I, I guess he was he, he came back from an ACL injury, but he still played last year. Did give up a touchdown after coming off an ACL injury, so that has to be taken into consideration too. I mean, the Broncos took it into consideration and handed him a pretty hefty contract. So, uh, yes, they did. I, I think that I think that that's got to say something. I, I mean, I again, I guess that's just one of the big reasons I don't watch the show because it's not. It doesn't seem indicative of of the actual uh, National Football League. It's more about hype and East Coast bias and and, and big teams and and things like that. And I just I kind of dismiss it. But uh, interestingly enough, I just mentioned contracts. Uh, one of the contract situations we're, we're dealing with in Denver right now is Demarius Thomas, who uh, has not been uh, around the team since Kubiak took over uh, and has started implementing his new offense. Um, I, I'm a little concerned about that. Uh, I think Bronco, Broncos country is probably getting a little bit nervous about it. What are, what are your thoughts on that for right now? At this point, it's not a good thing that he isn't on the field right now, getting to to work with the rest of the offense. I, I the chemistry is there with Peyton, so I don't think it's necessarily that big of a deal. But when you're bringing in a whole new offense, you need all your guys on the field just to know what they're supposed to be doing. So I, I think in that area, in that regard, it's not a good thing. Right. Um, you know he's going to be working out down in Georgia. That, you know he's going to be in shape. But with the problem starts coming in is is he going to show up for training camp? Right. What is what is he going to do? And I, I to me, I it's interesting that I brought up Georgia because Julio Jones came out today and said that he's not going to hold out because he's going to put his team first. It's not about him. And I. We've talked about that with Elway and and him saying that this is about the team and this is about the Denver Broncos being good for the foreseeable future, not just this year, but also next year and the next year and the next year. And he wants guys that are team-oriented and, and believe that it's important to be a Denver Bronco first. So that's, a, that's like an Chris interesting... Like Chris Harris. Yeah, like a Chris Harris who said, I'm, I'm going to play, I'm going to be here. And they worked out a good deal for him. I just, I, I think you're right about that. To to mention Julio Jones in that respect, I got to be honest with you. I'm, I'm in. I'm starting to lean towards being in that camp that's thinking that it might be time to trade Demarius Thomas. 
I just worry about tying that kind of money right. up into a guy who, you know, without Peyton Manning throwing him the football, how good can he really be? And I know that Demarius Thomas is probably a top top five talent, top three wide receivers in the league. Um, you know, you can take your pick between him and Des Bryant and, and Calvin Johnson. I'm fine with that. Either any one of those three guys, you pick, you know, reach your hand into a bag and pull a name out, you'll be fine. But that doesn't change the fact that you give that kind of money to a guy who is dependent on somebody else to get him the football. I think that's a that's a trouble spot for me. That that's one where I would start to get a little concerned. Well, then you have to take into account the salary cap, right? And, and people need to remember that Von Miller is going to be a free agent next year too. So, who would you rather have back if it came down to it between the two of them, Von Miller or Demarius Thomas? And I would take Von Miller day and night over Demarius Thomas. Because Von Miller is one of the greatest Broncos to ever put on a uniform, and I think he has the potential to be in the Hall of Fame when he's done. Demarius Thomas could potentially be that, but it's more dependent upon who his quarterback is. Von Miller is a game changer. Is Demarius Thomas a game changer? Perhaps. He did have that 80-yard touchdown catch from Tim Tebow against the Pittsburgh Steelers. He made Tebow so, look good. you got to give him credit for that, I guess. So I... I, the, the, my concern is the salary cap. Right. How much money are they willing to put into a receiver when you have areas along the offensive line, especially at, now at left tackle, now that, that Clady is out, you still really don't have a left guard. Center, maybe. You do have a right guard in Los Vasquez, and then right tackle. So basically four question marks right now along the offensive line. And you're going to tie in thirteen million dollars to a receiver. That to me is the that's that's the crux of the the argument right there. I mean, I look at this football team and I see needs, and I see I see ways that you can fill some of those needs. And trading away a guy who is a talent like Demarius Thomas hurts sort of on the surface. You know, it's like that superficial scratch where you look at it and you go, ah, that, that hurts. But at the end of the day. It wouldn't be that bad if what you got in return was a left tackle, an elite left tackle, or four draft picks. I mean, you you don't you can't you can't tell me that there isn't a team out there that wouldn't be willing to give you uh, a first round, uh, you know, a first and a second round for next year's draft, and a, a, a third and a and a fifth round pick for the year after that, and maybe a player as well. I, I mean, I think you can get enough back for trading Demarius Thomas that it would be worth it to not tie that kind of money up in a, in in him. And he's a great guy. I'm I don't have a problem with him. I wish he was with the team and was putting the team first. That's my my big issue with him right now. But at the end of the day, I just cannot wrap my head around giving that kind of money to a wide receiver. And especially in this system. I mean, think back to the the receivers Kubiak had as the offensive coordinator in the in the 90s. It was Rod Smith and then McCaffrey. I think at this point right now, if you were to take Demarius Thomas off of this roster, you have your Rod Smith and Cody Latimer, the physical receiver who's going to be willing to do whatever it takes for his football team, as he proved in that preseason game against the 49ers last year, where he laid the wood on that block. (laughs) And then Emmanuel Sanders, who maybe, perhaps he's the Ed McCaffrey who's, willing to line up anywhere on the football field 
and is willing to do anything it takes. And With those two receivers? Yeah, and, and I would say, looking at last season, the rapport that Emmanuel Sanders had with Peyton Manning, it was instantaneous, and it was it was magical. I mean, Manning knew he could throw the ball pretty much anywhere, and, and Sanders was going to go get it. And if you look at when, and this is more just the eye test than anything else, but if you look at when after Peyton Manning got injured, and you look at who he leaned on the most, it wasn't Demarius Thomas. It was Emmanuel Sanders. And I think that that's a, that's a really big point to make there, that he's, he, he leaned on Emmanuel Sanders in a way that he didn't lean on Demarius Thomas. That, to me, says right there, we could be just fine without a Demarius Thomas. It, would be, it, it, it might hurt for the first week or two just to, to get over it, because I'm sure there are a lot of Bronco fans out there that went out and got Demarius Thomas jerseys because they really like him. But at the end of the day, it's it's just a lot of money to give to a guy. Just it's I, st- I just keep going back to that. It's a lot of money to give to a guy that needs someone else to throw him the football. Well, and there's no doubt the Denver Broncos are a better team with Demarius Thomas on the field, especially with Peyton Manning as his quarterback. Right. So perhaps the mindset that John Elway takes with all of this is. As long as Peyton Manning plays and is his quarterback, Demarius Thomas will be will be a receiver for the Broncos. Whether or not that happens after Peyton retires and Brock Osweiler takes over, time will tell. But I think the big thing that we've touched on and say it again is: Do you really want to give thirteen million dollars at least to your salary cap hit? Right. Thomas, yeah, to a, to a wide receiver, I, to any wide receiver, uh, I think that if you and we keep we're kind of beating a dead horse here, not to uh, you know not to continue on with it, but just look at what's going on in Detroit. I mean, how much money do they have tied up in Calvin Johnson that limits what they can do throughout for the rest of their team? Imagine imagine how much they would have liked to have had a little more salary cap room to keep in Dominican Sue. Well, think about the Miami Dolphins and that ridiculous contract they gave to Mike Wallace. Right. It was it was so bad that they got rid of him and traded him to Minnesota. So, yeah. I mean, I think Demarius Thomas is a better receiver than Mike Wallace. Well, I think without question he's a better receiver than but Mike Wallace. That's that's not the issue. Take into a, you really do have to take into account the money. It has to be taken into consideration. Well, and Elway, I think, is a, is a is has been has been pretty good at that. Uh, I know the Broncos had to to pay some fines for being over the salary cap a few times, but that's more a product of of trying to you know get yourself positioned and things like that, and that's going to happen to teams. But he's done a pretty good job of maintaining where the Broncos are at, knowing what he wants to spend, and he's got an he's got an idea in his head. He's got a plan that he's going to try to execute. That to me is the is is the important aspect of that is that Elway is the one who's who's running this team and and I think he's willing to say to a guy like Demarius Thomas, thank you for your service. We're going to send you somewhere else where they're willing to pay you. We've got bigger fish to fry here. Um, you know, I I don't know if Demarius Thomas makes or breaks his team for a Super Bowl this year, but I'd like to think that they've got guys that can step in and and take over and and be just just fine. I think it's a situation like this where he needs to take Elway has to, to view it like Bill Belichick does with New England, where nobody 
is above the Patriots. I agree, and I think he does do that. I think I think Elway is one of the one of the guys out there who is like that, who says this is our team. The team is more important than anybody else. There isn't a single person on this team that is more important than the team. Um, it's nice to be able to say that when you've got a franchise quarterback on your team. I think that Belichick's got Tom Brady, who's the greatest left-handed quarterback of all time. <laughs> He's the greatest amphibious quarterback of all time. He's amazing. <laughs> he can throw both hands underwater and breathe. It's—I uh, mean—he's Tom Brady. That's why he was deflating all those footballs. We solved it. We solved it. It took us a while, but we figured out Deflategate. He just needed the extra air to breathe underwater. It's, exactly. There it is. Okay. He's—he doesn't have to be suspended four games anymore because we figured it out. We're fine with that. So. You know, Tom currently happy. Oh, uh, okay. You know, I, I want to talk a little bit more about Elway. We started to to get into it. Um, we started to talk about Elway here with Demarius Thomas, but the situation in Denver with ownership is is fairly laughable at this point, just because of of John Bolin and and his. You mean the lifeblood of the yes, city? Yes, the, the lifeblood of the city. I I mean I I I certainly can't dispute that, but mostly because I don't have the time. Because I'll start to laugh a lot, and so we'll just move on, and and we'll we'll say he's not the lifeblood of the city. Although with all of the kids that Pat Bolin has, maybe that's what he was talking about. That Pat Bolin is popular Perhaps. in Denver, and who knows? But um, does and I wrote an article about this last last week. Uh, does that open up the opportunity for John Elway to put maybe put together a group and and become the principal owner of the Denver Broncos? I- I would say no, just because it's clear Pat Bolin wants to keep the organization in his family. He wants one of his kids to take over as owner. Obviously, I think at this point, uh, it's a safe bet to rule out the lifeblood of the city. I think John's missing out on that. <laughs> um, I, I think it opens the door for one of his daughters to eventually take over. Um, but I... I wouldn't rule anything out. It's obvious Pat Bolin has an incredible relationship with John Elway. Um, so I, if if it were to come to that, perhaps. But I think at this point, I would I would still say no, just because he really wants to keep the organization in his family. That's what he's wanted to do for thirty years, uh, over thirty years. When he bought the team, he wanted to give it to his family at some point and keep it within his family. And, um, that speaks to, I think the man he is, Sure, but, um, I, I would say at this point, no, for Elway putting together a group like he did with the crush to, to become principal owner, but never say never. Right. I guess, I guess the, it just looks like on the surface, of course, I guess is what I should say. But on the surface, it definitely looks like there is a there is a there is a chance that it could happen. Uh, you know, I I would say, and just to kind of to play devil's advocate to the things that you just said, Elway is the type of guy who would want to take on that responsibility, and and might start trying to figure out a way to make something like that happen. One of the things that I could see happening is him going in and and simply saying. Look, I, I I can get together a group of people, but I want to keep it in the Bolin family just like you do. 
why don't we why don't we come to some type of agreement you know put one of the daughters out there that they could sort of be co-principal owners i don't know if that's actually a, a term or a phrase or something that's real but if it is uh you know some type of way to get everybody on the same page move into that i th- I, th- I think he wa- he likes the opp- he would like the opportunity to be the owner of a national football league team and the broncos are a perfect fit for him he's and as a fan just as a fan a john elway fan and a denver bronco fan that would be something i would i would sign off on i'd be fine with it is it going to happen i think the things that you've you've laid out there make it pretty clear that probably not uh, to play even more of a devil's advocate why can't he put together a group with stan Kroenke and buy the rockies <laughs> from dick montford i think that would be a far far better situation because i think the broncos are going to be fine regardless of who owns them just because his family knows how much that organization means to him and how much winning means to him so i think the broncos will be fine i I know this is a broncos podcast but sure i would i would accept in a heartbeat john elway and stan crockett behind the rockies well, I will. Um, I'll give you that. I think that I think most people in in Broncos country are disappointed in the the Rockies, uh, and I'm not talking about the mountains. So it wouldn't be a terrible thing. I I think that just as and this has sort of turned into sort of an Elway love fest, I guess. But he's proven over the last several years that he knows how to run a team. He knows how to put together a, a, a group of, of rich people to buy something and, and put together, you know, like he did with the crush. Uh, he's a good businessman. I mean, I, has he touched any business since he retired from the NFL that didn't make him a large profit? Just no. just thinking about, I mean, the car dealerships and he's got his furniture stuff that he does. And he's, I mean, I mean everything he touches is restaurants make money. He's a he's he's a good businessman, and he knows how to run a team. He, lest we forget, the Yankees drafted him, and if things hadn't gone the way he wanted him to in Baltimore, he might have been uh, your starting right fielder for the New York Yankees in 1984 instead of playing for the Denver Broncos. So exactly. Uh, so he knows baseball. He knows. And what he he's knows doing. being around Pat Bowen that to have a great organization. You let the people beneath you do what they do. You don't get in their way. You don't. You, all you do is give them the the resources and the means to be successful. Exactly. That's an interesting take on it. I think. I, I, send him a letter. Maybe he'll, maybe maybe Johnny will respond to you. He, you know, he, maybe he's getting bored with this football stuff and he wants to own a baseball team. I don't know. I can't, I can't well, speak. Was to, to say he couldn't do both. He could. That would be interesting. General manager of the Denver Broncos and vice president of football operations and owner of the Colorado Rockies. He's a man of many hats. He is <laughs> many, many hats. He'd be the Bo Jackson of uh, front office front office ship. Ooh, that would be cool. See, now that would be the argument you make. Dear John, would you like to be the Bo Jackson of front office ownership in professional sports, I have a proposition no. for you. I would say no. I'm good. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. So, 
All right, anything else? What are we missing today? Well, I, the, the big thing that I took away from the OTAs, which wrapped up today, well, I guess minicamp, mandatory minicamp. Right, now it's mandatory. You have to be there, unless you're Allegedly. Thomas. <clears throat> um, but the big thing I took away from OTAs and minicamp and whatever else, leading into training camp in July, which is the next, the next step for uh, the offseason, is the... The talk about the attitude change at Dove Valley, meaning the players can sense the difference between the previous coaching staff and the current coaching staff, and uh, the big, the other big takeaway is how they practice. And I know it's an old cliche; we've all heard it before that you practice, you play the way you practice, and that's obviously the case with the Broncos because. Wherever Gary Kubiak has been, and the most recently he was with John Harbaugh in Baltimore, I I don't think there's any doubt John Harbaugh puts those guys through the ringer in Baltimore to get them ready for games, especially in the AFC North, going against the likes of Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Cincinnati. But that's the big takeaway that I have from all of this, is they're actually talking about and noticing the attitude change, which isn't a surprise to the people who know what Gary Kubiak brings to the table along with his coaching staff. It's just, it's awesome to hear it and they're, they recognize it and realize it and can see it. Yeah. I think, uh, it's a, it's nice to, it's nice to feel like the coaching staff is all in. And, uh, you know, earlier in the you know in in the off season when Emmanuel Sanders and Demarcus Ware came out and talked about Super Bowl or bust and and um, the belief that they should win a Super Bowl and this is a team that has the talent to do that. Uh, you know, the talk was John Fox never would have let guys say that. Um, he you know he's too he was he would be too conservative for stuff like that. I, I think Gary Kubiak is is the type of guy who comes out and says no, we should win. There should be no question about whether or not we should win. And so it's okay for us to say that, and it's okay for us to to have that attitude. But if we're gonna have that attitude, we better practice like we're gonna we're gonna win. We better not squander it, so to speak. And uh, I, I think it's I think it it feels good, right? Is that the way to say that? As Bronco fans right now, I think we're we are all capable of of sitting back and saying something about this feels right. I'm not saying it's all perfect, but something feels right about what's going on in, in Denver with the Broncos. And, and I, I like I like the way this team is headed. No, I do too. And I, I, I see I, – I like it. I like to see the way Gary Kubiak handles the media uh, and the questions that he's asked and the answers he gives. He's, I think he's far more – he's far more open – than, than John Fox. He, he doesn't riddle us with those tired Foxisms. He, he's not short. Uh, it's just, he gets it. He really gets it. And you can tell that he's passionate about the position he has, that he loves what he's doing. And I, maybe it's just my jadedness because of what happened against Baltimore, <laughs> but I never got that sense from John Fox. I never got the sense that he enjoyed what he was doing. I it just, he always seemed so high and strong that if you put a lump coal up his butt, he was so tight. If you pulled it out and get a diamond, 
It was one of those. I, it just, yeah, one of those guys. Just very high, strong. And, and who knows? Too tight. I, he was, he's he, a completely different guy in front of the camera. I've heard I've heard media people talk about how he is completely different off camera and just away from all of that stuff. He's completely different. So I get that. But you're also the face of the organization at that point, and you have to carry yourself like you actually give two craps about what you're doing. And I never got that sense from John Fox. Especially at the end. And, and part of that was that he knew, I think everybody sort of would, would agree with this, he knew he was on his way out at that point. Um, and so as, you know, as the, the, the end of the season neared last year and, you know, they were kind of heading towards that inevitable defeat against Indianapolis. And I don't know that it felt inevitable going into it, but it certainly, um, as you look back on it now, it, it, it pretty much was inevitable. But I, I think yeah. that they were just sort of gliding into the end of the season because everybody knew John Fox was gone, including John Fox. And we've talked and about this. Jack Hill was gone too. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this ad nauseum that these guys were on their way out. They knew they were on their way out, and so they weren't committed to it. And they they had not committed to the Broncos. And in, and in, in, you know, John Fox maybe maybe he's more passionate and more excitable and and a little bit less conservative when the cameras are off. But you said it. I mean, the way he presents himself to the media it doesn't inspire a lot in in fans and it, at the end of the day you're out there for me you're not out there for you i know you're going to say you're out there for you and that's great but i'm the person who uh and i'm i being the bronco fan am the person who you're out there to entertain but also i'm entertained when you win and when you show me that you want to be there and when you show me that you love what you're doing and like you said, we never got that sense from John Fox, and we get it from from Gary Kubiak. He's home. I'm so happy he's home. I think he knows he's home. Denver is, was was good to him while he was a player, and it was great to him as a, as a, an offensive coordinator. And I can't wait for it to be even better for him as a head coach because I think that that's the direction it's going. It's a it's we, we talk about it all the time. It's a it's a match made in heaven. Yeah, it really is, and. Uh, What's awesome is that they not only want the guys to practice hard, they coach them up. And people are finally getting a hold of what we've been talking about since he was hired. But Bill Kohler is a madman. I'm not going to mention what I always mention here because everyone else has taken a hold of it, so it's kind of lost its meaning at this point. But he's a madman. He will coach you up, and if you don't get coached up and you don't listen to him, you won't be in a Broncos uniform. You'll be sitting on the bench. And it's not just him. It's Joe D. Camillus with the special teams. Um, it's just nice to have all these different attitudes, all these different personalities in the coaching staff be so different, where you have this madman and Bill Kohler and a, a loud guy and Joe D. Camillus, and then you have your old grandpa who, <laughs> Cusses a cusses a, is all the time, and Wade Phillips, and then you have the the literal genius and Rick Dennison, and then you have the guy who probably would be drinking a beer on the sideline and Gary Kubiak. It's just you got a good it's mix. awesome to see the kind of complexity in the coaching staff, and I think it's needed in a professional locker room. 
where you don't have all these yes men to John Fox. And that's what all that's what Adam Gase was. That's what Mike McCoy was. That's what Jack Del Rio was. All those guys were basically yes men to John Fox. They really didn't. They really didn't bring anything. No, I mean, and Adam Gase, Adam Gase, and Mike McCoy just sort of rode the the Peyton Manning train. I mean, that was um, that was never their offense. It was always his offense. And what you're going to see in the 2015 season is Gary Kubiak's offense is what's going to be run for the Denver Broncos. And it's going to make Peyton Manning a better quarterback. I, I am excited to see that as well. You're, you're absolutely right about that. There's, there is no doubt that the change at Dove Valley has uh, been for the best. It is going to be, uh, it is, it is going to be a good season in Denver. As long as everybody stays healthy, I, I don't, I don't see why, we should have any problems winning. Let's let's say twelve or fourteen, not thirteen games. Let's, let's anything that's not thirteen, right? <laughs> as long as it's not thirteen, I don't win eleven, win twelve, ten. If it gets you into the playoffs, I mean that's okay. That's fine. <laughs> I don't, a little more than ten. Let's, more than, yeah, let's more than at ten. Least shoot for eleven. Shoot for eleven. Eleven. I think eleven, twelve, or or fourteen. I would take fourteen. Yeah, I would absolutely take fourteen. It's a good number. Because it's not thirteen. Because it's not thirteen, and that is the key. That is the key. So. And Gary Kubiak won't get caught off guard. No, he won't. He will not. I although I think I just got caught off guard a little bit. Yeah. Damn it. It happens. It you does. You never know when it'll happen. You know, when you get caught off guard, the, the best thing you can do is, I guess, I guess, take a knee? <laughs> I, I, I guess, because you have two timeouts and you're on the 30-yard line. Yeah, but if John Fox has taught us knee. anything, we better take a knee. So I, I guess that's what we're going to do for now. We'll go ahead and take a knee, but but we'll we'll be back. <laughs> Absolutely. It, 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 you, you always come back. Sure. You have to. You have to come back, so... All right, well, thanks a lot. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.